Welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. This is only our second video simulcast, so if you're used to listening to the audio version, you can now watch the entire interview on video as well. Just go to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash scriptsandscribes, or the link is also on our website, scriptsandscribes.com. Our guest today is a frequent visitor to the podcast. He's a lit manager and producer who's worked at Village Roadshow and Appian Way before starting his own company, Bellevue Productions. It's always great having John Zalzierny back on the show. Representation. Obviously, that's your primary game. You're also a producer. Mm-hmm. But um, the first stage of most writers' careers is representation. And right. in today's day and age, that's usually a manager. It's, it's yeah, harder to get an agent. It's interesting. It's, I would definitely say that the manager is, is the primary point of contact for most people right. in terms of their first representation. It's weird if people think an agent. Because at this point, I think agents are so... Um, uh, focused on kind of certain level of clientele, the only way you can kind of cut through the chaff is to have a manager advocate on your behalf. Absolutely. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a manager. Right. But I think if you asked an agent, they would probably say the same thing. Right. And I know in, in um, his podcast, John August, in the past, um, has mentioned that he's he, been dismissive. Right. But I think which is a very he, '90s opinion. To right. Have. No, exactly. He came in in an age where there were agents, and you signed with an agent, and they helped sell your material and sell you mm-hmm. to client. Nowadays, it doesn't really work that way. In order to get an agent, you often... Does John often, August have a manager? I, you know, I don't think he does. Oh, uh, he's the rare writer who does not. Right. But, I mean, obviously his podcast is great and he's great. But I, I, have, I do know that opinion. You know, yeah. I have heard, by the way, like sometimes you... Um, someone's agents will send me clients of theirs um, to potentially work with who were um, in the 90s, kind of came up in the 90s. Right. There's this weird, like, what do you do kind of thing and... And, you know, and so I think there is a built-in bias and a built-in, like, well, I know what I'm doing, which is fine. Like, I, I meet with people and I tell people, like, here's what I do. You should decide if that's what you want in your life because right. sometimes it's not what people want in their life. Sometimes what people want is they want, um, they, all, they just want a version of an agent. And that's certainly not how I approach what I do. But, yeah, there, there, it is interesting that there are people out there, usually the old guard who are very anti-manager um, which you're like, look, I think when you get another 10% taken out, you're like, oh my God. But if the person, the manager is the person who got you to the point where they helped you get the agent, helped you get the lawyer, helped you get the assignment, then I think that it's like, would you rather take, you know, have 10% off of something or like 100% nothing? Right. You know, so it's, it's a, I think you have to, every person has to, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sit here and say every person needs a manager, but what I would say is, um, you know, look at what the person brings to it and decide whether that's worthwhile for you. Right. Well, and uh, again, unless you have heat on you, unless there's something, yeah, you know, about you, like you, you're, you won uh, a, a, you know, a top screenwriting Even festival. Even then, I don't it's honestly, hard to get I honestly don't know. Agent. Like, I don't know what people could do. That it's like people. I would say most screenwriting competitions don't. Nobody cares. The one that they do care about is maybe the nickel. But even the right. nickel, honestly, like I remember talking to someone who's like, he's like, yeah, we all thought we won the nickel or we were nickels finalists that we were going to be like showered in riches and nah, you know. Because <laughs> if you look at the kind of things that win the nickel, it's not really the kind of stuff that sells as a general rule. It does happen, right. but more often than not, it's more of a quirky Sundance esque kind of script. Um, and that's not exactly what the marketplace is dying for right now. Right. So even winning the nickel is an automatic. I mean, I've I've had you know I know people who've had nickel winning clients and it, they didn't, it didn't wasn't like CA was like oh my god please sign with us. It's like it's all dependent on the script and on the person. Sure. Um, so it's it's hard to say. 
it, it, the thing is, you said you've, you've had some buzz about you. I guess the question is, how would one get? I guess there there are scenarios where I've heard about scenarios where like, you know, and it's it's cool where like a producer finds a script through a query letter or through a buddy, and then that person sells and whatever. Like that's what happened with um, the Dwayne Worrell script, The Wall, which got made with Doug Liman directing and okay. Aaron Taylor Johnson starring. Oh right. Um, that was like just a random thing I think came to Amazon through like their script thing. And you didn't have a manager, but so that does happen. Sure. But I would say you can count on one hand the right. number of times where something's happened without uh, a rep, usually a manager, kind of making that buzz happen. Right. Because we get queries all the time, and I'm not a manager, I'm not an agent. Please yeah. stop sending queries. Um, if you get an agent, how many you get? An agent, how many I oh, get? Oh, no, I, yeah. absolutely. I, I'm completely sympathetic. Which I, I don't mind. I don't mind queries, you know? No, absolutely. Um, but what although I'm, people get funny. One thing I would say, I apologize, but yeah. like, people will be funny. They'll like send you a query, then they'll send you another query. Then they'll be like, Matt, how come you didn't respond to my query? It's kind of like funny. It's like dating, and someone's like, oh, I met this person, and I got their number, and then right. I kept calling them, and they didn't pick up. Right. But Why I kept they, calling. Like, I it's calling. like, well, you kind of got your answer. No right. response is a response at right. a certain point. Right. No, and I, what I just do is tell them, you know, it's like, how do I get an agent, mm. you know? And it's like, well, if you're asking me that question, mm. then you're not going to get an agent. Like, shouldn't you listen to your podcast? Right. Which try will to tell get you a manager. Right. Yeah, right. Um, and again, it's it, by saying try to get a manager, it's like in the 90s trying to get an agent. It's incredibly yes. difficult, but it's sort of that first step, I think, most... Now, it's not that you can't approach an agent. Sure, you can try, but they read so few queries. They read so... You know, few material. They're that's, not in the business um, of developing clients, as a general rule. No, there are exceptions, but I right. think most agents would be real. They were like, "I want people to bring me things that I can sell." Absolutely, which is fine because, like, again, if you go back to like, I think a metaphor that I use sometimes, which is like a car dealership. Right. You know, the car salesman doesn't want someone to be like, "Hey, I've got this car that I've got an idea for how to build." You're like, "Just bring <laughs> me the car when it's done, and right. I'll build it." You know what I'm saying? Right. And then I'll sell it. You know? Yeah. Um, and managers are essentially people who tend to help build cars, and then they can sell them. Right. So you know, I think. There are exceptions, obviously, always, but yeah, most agents are not in the business of developing kind of nobody clients. You know, there, sometimes things happen and you can point to things and like, well, this happened and that happened and definitely those things, but I would say that the, the majority of times they want um, managers to bring them people. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so the entry point for most newer writers is a manager and the general ways are you know, through referrals, through mm -hmm. some sort of attention they get via script competition or sure. something like that, or a query. I would honestly, just to jump in there for a second, yeah. I would honestly say most script competitions mm -hmm. don't really lead to a lot of they don't them. Need I, I'm just going to say that. Right. Like, there are exceptions, but... What would some of those exceptions be? Austin, uh -huh. um, the Nichols, um, gosh, you know, I do go to like the USC and LMU and UCLA things or read the books or whatever. Um, God, there's not a lot of competitions, honestly, that people pay a heck of a lot of attention to. If I can't think of them off the top of my head, right. like, look, I get sense, like, I, I think I'm a judge for, like, final draft, big break, and stuff sure. like that, and, but, like, I can tell, like, an agent, they want big break, and they're like, I don't care. Right. It doesn't mean anything to them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it means something if I say it's good, you sure. know what I'm saying? Because they know me, we have an ongoing relationship. Um... So, but yeah, so you were continuing the multiple ways. No, I was just going to say, so when you meet a writer, if you happen to meet them at mm. an event or something, right. or receive a query, right. uh, what are some of those glaring signs or those red flags mm. that signal when they're an amateur that are a real turnoff? Or 
that signal that they have no understanding of the business and it's sort of when like, you email me three times <laughs> and they keep saying why haven't you responded to my email right i know it's like it's weird or like my all-time favorite which i think i've talked about before is people send me queries where they're like do you accept query letters you know, and I'm like, I'm not, it's not my job to respond. Right. Or they'll be like, hey, John, I know you're a letter manager. What are you looking for? No. Like, nobody, I don't, if I'm a manager who you should want to sign with, I don't have the time to right. tell you what I'm looking for. Do the research, which is, honestly, listen to your podcast, which I, I get a lot of people reaching out to me via, hey, I heard you in Scripts and Cry, which is, which is great, because I'm like, okay, then you kind of know the score. Because right. you've heard me say what I'm looking for. Um you know, that's definitely one. Uh, weird, winding, very personal query letters. I'm here. This is what I did. I don't really... <laughs> it's a very simple. Be professional. Treat... You know, everybody's got a job and right. treat it the same way. If you if you were selling computer software, you wouldn't email someone like, hey, I'm Billy and, you know, I live in here and I do this. And by the way, you should really buy this, this software. You'd be like, hey, here's my software. Here's what it does the end, you right, know? Right. And so treat it professionally. I think sometimes people treat it like it's an art form, not a business. Um, and, you know, which is, I think, mistaking the art for the and craft of screening for the business of selling screenplays and screenwriters. Right. Um, and the two things are separate. Um, but treat it professionally. Um, when people have one idea, <laughs> that oh. does happen. They're like, I'm like, this is my one idea. I'm like, what else? They're like, that's it. Um, when people are all over the map genre-wise, and they're like, well, I've got this horror comedy, but I've also got this dark thriller, but I've also got this light drama, but I've also got this broad comedy. And I'm like, it's funny, early writers don't want to be pigeonholed. Right. Writers kind of more established in their career, but like, if I'm pigeonholed, that's fine with me because right. it means that I'm on the... You have to understand, for especially for junior executives, their job all day long is to make lists. They're like, okay, we have this kind of um, female-driven thriller. Let's make a list of the 20 writers who we think might be a good fit for it. Right. You want to be on those lists, and and it, you know you take you know there are exceptions. Actually, John August is a perfect exception where he I think bridges a lot of genres. Sure. But weirdly, you think about directors, right? Like no one's like. Oh man, David Fincher, when's his broad comedy coming? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. it doesn't work that way that often. Michael Bay isn't making comedies, you know, or whatever. You know, I guess there's comedic, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. um, but like, it's, those are the exceptions. And so, you know, very successful screenwriters are, are generally pigeonholed. There are, you know, Scott Frank, John August, people who transcend genres. Um, but more often than not, they had to earn their way to that. Um, and if you're pigeonholed, it actually is not the worst thing in the world because it means you're known for something. Right. It's better to be known for something than be unknown for everything. Absolutely. Um, and then once you kind of get into it, then you can try to expand that may you. Look at someone like Eric Heiser who became known for writing horror. Then eventually he specs Arrival um, and become now he's known for, for... And he still does horror and thriller stuff. Wrote Lights Out last year or a couple of years ago. Um, but you know, but so, but he's kind of expanded it. But so it's almost like exp establish a base and then expand beyond that. So if you're like, oh, I don't want to get pigeonholed, or like, you've got to treat it like a profession. So that's definitely a red flag. Um, yeah, I think acting professionally. I think a big way to th big thing to think about is um, if I like you and I want to send your screenplay out, that'll generally result in people wanting to meet you. Are you the kind of person I'd want to put in the room with my friends? Because a lot of right. these executives are my friends. And if you're acting weird. If you're incredible, like I had a call, like a you know, you know, why, you know, a while ago, we were asking, what's your favorite movie? The guy had no answers. What do you want to do? I don't know. And so, like, if you can't give me answers, right. what makes me think that you could give um, one of my friends answers? I don't want to put you in a room where they're like, wow, what did John? John, why did John send me this person? They are very strange. Like, this was a waste <laughs> of my time. Right. I want to. I want people who are. Um, 
you know, articulate, have a clear point of view about who they are and what they want to do. And by the way, no one's going to hold you to a contract. They're like, well, I met you and you said you wanted to write thrillers and now you're writing sure. this, this smart, you know, crime drama. Well, that's, you know, no one's going to, it's not a contract, but you think you want to walk in with an established brand and be like, these are the kind of things that I love to do and they should make sense. So don't write a comedy and then someone reads the comedy and likes it and meets you and they like, what do you want to write? Well, I really want to write horror films. Okay, well that's cool, but I met you because you wrote a comedy, right? You know, and so I think you just want to. People need to act for it. Honestly, it's like, um, are you articulate? Do you have a point of view? Are you taking your this this professionally and seriously? To me, those being kind of the same things. So those are kind of the red flags for me. When people don't treat it, they're asking me to take. I'm a professional. They're asking me to take them seriously professionally, but they're not acting professionally. Right. And so act professionally, act with respect. There's been scenarios, by the way, where I've had queer letters or engaged with writers and it didn't work out. And then years down the road, I meet them because there's one client um, of Jeff Portnoy's who works with me at Bellevue. And he, he and I corresponded years ago. And he was like, yeah, you know, he, when he was running with another partner. And he's like, you were very, you know, it's funny, I didn't realize. Was, I, you were very articulate and polite with me. And I really appreciate that. I was nice to him and he was nice to me. Mm-hmm. So we, had, we didn't end up working together. Um, on that, it was like five years before he kind of broke and, and worked, started working with Jeff, I think. Um, but, you know, he, we had a good relationship because he was professional with me and I was professional with him. And, um, you know, there are people who reach out to me, you know, who I read their script. And I'm like, I think you're talented. Please reach out again. And I like the way that they operated. And they would work. Right. And then eventually we're like, you know what, this is the right thing. Let's start working together. Um, and then there's been people where I've been like, you know, hey, you know, I'll, I'll read your next thing. And they, they start badgering me with like, hey, can I bound, Can I send you a treatment for you to read? Can, right. I, can I get your thoughts on my first draft? And it's like, no, that's not my role. My role right. is not to give you notes on a first draft. I'm not your manager. Right. I'm not your friend. You know, I'm, I'm the person that you want to, I'm a, who want to be, you want to be taken seriously. It's, not, it's like going on a job interview and telling the person like, hey, so like I have this like thing I want to do. Can I bounce it around with you? Right. You wouldn't treat someone that way, you know? And to be fair, I'm not hiring anyone. I'm not like, I'm not paying them money. So, but like I am a person who's kind of put my time for free into them, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't get paid until they get paid. And so I just need them to treat me with respect. Um, right. That's acting professionally and, and taking yourself and this profession seriously. And also that weeds out a lot of people because for whatever reason, they don't act that way. You right. Know? The threshold to be a writer, quote unquote, is low. You have to have a computer, mm-hmm. you know, and... Sometimes get, not even that. Judging right. um, <laughs> from the things I've gotten in the mail. <laughs> uh, you just have to have a germ of an idea, I suppose. And all of a sudden you can, I have an idea, I have a script, mm-hmm. I have a pitch. How whatever. hard could it be? Right, exactly. You know, that movie sucked. How hard could it be? And they don't realize that, you know, it's, it's still a business. There's lots mm-hmm. of money involved. There's lots of really talented people involved. There's lots of hard work involved. And I think that... It's weird. It's like anything else. There's very few things. Like, let's say we're talking about being an athlete, right? right. Like, yeah, people go and play basketball for fun. But I think nobody would look at the NBA and be like, wow, that looks like so much fun. Those guys really just go out there and just have fun. I mean, yeah, I'm sure they enjoy themselves, but they're also, like, training, thinking, strategizing. They're going to bed and getting 8 to 10 hours of sleep every night. They're conditioning their bodies. They're treating it really, really seriously. I mean, I would bet you there are more NBA players than there are working screenwriters. Right. Or, you know, that, or, like, something like that. I remember there was some kind of number where uh, there were fewer working feature writers in the WGA. I think in the NFL. Correct. So, like, and no one looks at the NFL and says, what a gas. You but know? the funny thing is, I sort of equate it to that uh, uh, that movie Invincible mm-hmm. with Mark Wahlberg right. when they had the tryouts for the Philadelphia Eagles, 
and there's just a bunch of jamokes out there, mm. you know, like Superman capes and thinking that they're going to make the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. And they can't make it 20 minutes on a practice. No. They're just like falling down, exhausted. And I think that like if you look at it in those terms, um, like another good example sort of uh, is Brian Scalabrini. I don't know if you know who he is. No. He used to play for USC. He was all Pac-12 or all Pac-10 at the time, I guess, for a number of years ago. Was drafted in the first or second round of NBA. Went, played for a bunch of teams, including the Celtics. Was usually a, a bench player, a role mm -hmm. player. But, you know, that, that locker room guy, that gritty guy who came out fired right. up. And, you know, he was good at what he did. But, you know, his career point averages, I don't know, four points or something right. like that. And everyone thinks, and I saw him in an interview, and everyone thinks, oh, I could beat that guy. He's not that good. He was on an NBA team. He's not that good. Yeah, he wasn't even right. a star, right? Right, but then so he'd go to you know like gym, local gyms and things like that. He would destroy people, just right. absolutely destroy people. It's like, oh, yeah. how did you not get play in the NBA? He's like, well, I'm good, but yeah. then if you go to the NBA, it's a whole nother level, and you don't realize it till you're there, till you're seeing these people and what they're doing, you know how good the competition is. Yeah, and the funny thing is, sports is measurable, right? Absolutely. Uh, and Absolutely. art is not necessarily measurable. It's it's not. I mean, like you can tell me about box office and awards one. Sure. But like as a general rule, I can get put two screenplays to be which one is better, and you can say it's A, and I can say it's B. Right. And we're not wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I can tell people I think this will sell and this won't sell, and I, I theoretically am, I'm better suited to that because I sell things. Um, but I'm not. I, I can't guarantee you that. You know, I've had scenarios. Where agents have told me this is selling for sure and it didn't sell. Now, other things were like nothing's going to happen with this, and it's a movie that gets made. You right. know, so you know, it, it, it is. It is. Um, it's hard to quantify. Yeah. I think that is why you end. I mean, yes, there are people who are kind of treat getting the NFL kind of like a joke, um, but it's at least it's a little bit more quantifiable. If you took um, this, could we've been mentioning his name. You took John August and you put him in a writers group. Um, he might like tell people some great ideas, but then there might be one guy who's like, nah, you know what? I still don't think John August is that good a writer because sure. I've got my idea and my idea is still better because it's all perceptible. Whereas if you couldn't beat someone in a foot race, you're like, I have to admit that person right. can run faster than me. And so that's what makes it even crazier is there's people out there that are convinced they're geniuses. You know, I've had scenarios and my God, where this, uh, this one particular scenario where someone sent me a query letter, I read this, they, they, I liked it, they sent me the script, I liked it, and I said, wow, you know, this is like 70% there. We just need to do another 30% of work and we'll get it there. And over the course of a year, they decided that the script needed a complete page one rewrite and kept trying to do change everything about it. I was like, no, 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 I just want you to change a little bit. Right. But they got in their head that I was wrong and they were right and they needed to change everything right. because that's not how it, re it was based on true story. That's not how it really happened. And I was like, I don't really care. Right. Like uh, I wanted to be true to the spine of the truth, but like right. I'm not locked into the truth of it. And eventually, we just parted ways because he, the person, was like, "No, I have to write the true story." I'm like, "Well, that's fine, but that's never gonna. That version is not as interesting as the version you originally wrote." Right. And but people get in their heads, but they they're like, "This is what it has to be." I had one client's like, "Take the script out; it's gonna sell immediately." And I read it. And I was like, "I can't show this to anyone. Right. This is terrible." <laughs> And they were like, no, this is the greatest things ever. And like, we had to part ways because at a certain point, if you're not listening to what I have to say or if you're not taking what I have to say seriously, then we, we need to move on. It's like being in a relationship. If yeah. you're in a relationship with someone and they consistently are cheating or they consistently are, are ignoring or not keeping promises, then that's not a relationship that you need to be in. And so it's very subjective. And as a result, you know, I can't say 100% that I'm right and this person is wrong. 
I can say it's been five years and they haven't sold anything since or right. whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's all quantifiable. It's, you know, people are like, well, you know, so-and-so wrote such and such script when they were 70 years old. And so right. it's, it, is, it is very, it is a weird thing where um, you're right that everybody thinks they can do it. But unlike sports, there's no essential proof per se. Right. You know, that being said, having been a reader, having worked at an agency and assistant, having done you know that d development mm. side as well, I can say that there is that bare minimum level of of competency. Correct. And there's a gray area after that of yes. you know taste and you know how good they are, but also yes. taste and things like that. But there is and a huge majority fall below that. Absolutely, and that's but that's but, obvious. But I they never the know. They no, never they don't. Know. They never ever they know. People don't know. There's like this idea that like sometimes you're so bad at something that you think you're good at it, right? There's like some kind of study or whatever. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. People talk about it all the time. They always joke that's like that, the joke out there is like that's the deal with Donald Trump is that like he's so bad at doing certain things sure. that he thinks he's the best at doing certain things Ooh. because he's so incapable of necessarily judging his performance. Oh, I see. You know that whatever. <laughs> um, but you, I certainly see it all the time in my life where someone's a producer or a writer and they're so terrible at their job and yet the very reason they're terrible is the very reason they think they're good at it because their um, meter is so f of what's good is so far off oh, of what the, the scenario is, you know? Um, so yeah, you're right. It's like the people who are terrible never know they're terrible right. because they're so bad that they have no idea what what good is right. at a certain point. Right. Um, but yeah, there is a weird gray area, and and but yeah, but you know it because you've done it. And the sure. people who generally don't know it, I mean, look, I always say that I don't really. Um, I mean, obviously, to my clients, I deliver bad news. But let's say someone sends me their screenplay, and I don't care for it, and and but I'm never gonna be like you're a terrible writer, and you're never gonna be a writer because number one, who knows. And number two, that's not very helpful to tell anyone. I don't need to tell someone they're not going to be a writer. I can just say, hey, this script wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. um, I can read it and be like, oh, wow, this isn't great. But I don't need to tell them, like, you just don't have it. Cause, because the marketplace does that for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. It, it, generally, you know, there are exceptions. but Time in the marketplace. I right. Think, like, yeah. you know, sometimes you have scenarios where writers are like, my script went out to 40 people. And the reason it didn't sell is because it didn't go to 42. You know, it just needs two more people. And I'm right. like, well... I feel like, you know, look, there'd be scenarios where agents have been like, well, we took it to four people and they didn't like it, so therefore the market's booked. I'm like, look, okay, that's bullshit. Right. But, like, if you take it to 20 people and 20 people all pass, right. then I think, you know. Right. But um, it is one of those weird kind of scenarios, you know. Anyways, whatever. But <laughs> that's less interesting because at a certain point, the people that we're talking about are never going to think, they don't think it applies to them, so it's sure. a moot point. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, so, And before approaching managers, mm -hmm. what should new writers be focusing on other than getting obviously their writing sample their material and their ideas together and in the best shape possible what else can they focus on so that when they query you or they meet you somewhere and you say yes yeah, send me that script and then you love it and you meet with them yeah how can they be ready obviously yeah i mean look i think those are the major things i mm -hmm. think um you know one of the questions some of the questions i tend to ask people are potential clients are you know um who are some of the writers you love? Mm -hmm. um, one big one tends to be like, tell me a movie, tell me a movie or some movies in the last five to ten years that you're like, wow, I love that movie. I could have written that movie. Because oh. if you say Nightcrawler or if you say, um, I don't know, Manchester by the Sea. Right, I'm trying to think of like a big action movie. Or if oh, you say Safe you. House, that's oh, yeah. a very different thing. Gotcha. You know, yeah. um, so that helps me know. Because here's the thing, what I'm thinking is how. Are you commercial? Can I make money from you? Mm -hmm. Right? Generally. Mm -hmm. Like, I hate 
people don't like that, but it's a reality, right? Because I got to make money, I got to make a living. I can't make a living off of like people being thankful that I gave them good notes. <laughs> um, and really, even more further down the road, when I meet, when we try to get you an agent, an agent is even way more cutthroat. They're going to be like, "How do I make? Why should I sign this person? How can they make me some money?" Right. And by the way, not like money in two years, money in the next six months. Right. So they're going to say, "What are you, what are you into writing? How can I sell you? How can I get people to meet you and be like, hey, this guy should write your like underwater horror movie, you know, or right. whatever." Um, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for how do you fit into the marketplace. And sometimes people are like, "Well, I just write what I write, and that, that's cool." But like, are they making those kind of movies? Right. Um, so think about. Where do I fit into the marketplace? You know, what's a compelling case for someone who wants to sign me where I, I feel like I'll make them money? They don't have to, I don't want you to say it like that. Be like, well, I'm going to make you money because I like doing this. But be like, hey, there's three or four movies that are out there in the marketplace. That, by the way, were successes. Don't tell me, like, I could have written that movie that was a flop, you right, know? Right. Um, were the movies out there that are successful that you feel like you could have, um, like, that's the kind of thing I would love to write. So we can try down the road to get you those assignments, to get you to sell those specs, you know, to do that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, think about that and be like, cause if you're like, I don't know, there's nothing that's come out in the last 10 years that I feel like I could have written, then, like, that's not going to be great for our future of making money. <laughs> um, especially TV, I would say. Like, TV, the big question is, like, what kind of shows would you want to write on? Because right. the majority of TV is not writing your ideas, it's sure. writing other people's ideas. So, and if you're like, I can only write, the only thing I can work on is Game of Thrones. It's like, well, yeah, you and every single person ever. Right. And by the way, that movie, that show is over now right. in this right. season, you know, this coming season. Um, so it's like, well, that's not helpful, you know. Tell me shows that are on the air that are accessible. Don't tell me Game of Thrones and Westworld and that's it. Right. Because you're never going to get to write on those right. shows, you know. Um, tell me like, oh, I might want to be on Insecure and I also feel like I could be on Blackish and I feel like I could also be on Atlanta and I feel like I could also be on, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, those are, those are the comedies I watch. Um, Fresh Off the Boat, there's, you know, I feel yeah. like I could be on um, Better Things, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. I could win Glow, you know, great. Okay, that's helpful, right. you know. How, I'm trying to think of like how can I make money from you, you right. know. So that's, that's probably the best thing to think about. Um, if you have a compelling narrative, like I was a Navy SEAL or something, cool, that's great. You right. don't have to have that. It's helpful. But I'd, if you're a good writer and you have a normal narrative, like I went to school, like here I am, that's better than being a bad writer and you're a Navy SEAL, you know? Right. Um, so, you know, that's cool as it would have a Navy SEAL for a client. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I think really, cons- like, what is your brand? What are, what are you? And people are like, well, I don't want to be a brand. I'm just a writer. And, like, that's cool. Right. Like, go write in some coffee shops and, like, do that. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, this is, unfortunately, a business of making money. You know, right. it's like anything. If you're build, like, no one would build a product, and they're like, "Here's my product that I want to sell," and be like, "Why would anyone want to buy that?" Well, I didn't build this product, so it's useful. Or that would sell to anybody. Right? No, it's like you build a product because you want to sell, and you yourself are the product. You, what, what does a writer sell? A writer sells services. Right. They provide services, writing services. What is the service that you are providing? You know, right. take yourself seriously. If you don't take yourself seriously, nobody else will. Right. And so many writers, I mean, at least from the queries I get, are querying with if anyone's querying you I know it's no crazy, offense right? Kevin but they're probably a lost cause no because they didn't do enough research side. to even be like oh is Kevin someone who can like get is Kevin a manager is Kevin a producer right they assume because we you know talk right. to a lot of agents and managers that we must be mm-hmm. um, and, or there's like you know someone so you can pass it yeah, along yeah exactly which we don't we don't do that um, 
But uh, so many of them come with this is, you know, that the idea that will be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you're going to save ever. your career, make a billion dollars. And by the way, the idea is like, okay, it's, here's this idea, it's revolutionary, it's going to change the world. So a man who's in a, uh, a building and it's Christmas and terrorists take it over and he must rescue his wife. I mean, just like Dyer. No, but like different. Right. Because this time, this guy has a limp. <laughs> Which, to be fair, I think just describes Skyscraper, the Dwayne Johnson right. movie. Um, but to be fair, you know, but you know what I'm saying? They're like, this one's a little different. Because right. in this case, he used to be a helicopter pilot. You know? Except a lot of queries or log lines are even worse. It's like a guy owns a pet store or something mm. like that. And it's like, well, yeah. there's no conflict. There's nothing. This is, yeah, it's, how usually, that... it's, a lot of times it's like, it's like it's a family and they're having a lot of turmoil. And it's about how they get through that turmoil. And it's like, okay. But like, you know, look at, look, at your, look at your log line and be like, why does someone want to read this? There's only two reasons people read things. Either A, they think it can make them money. Right. Or B, they think... Um, it's really intriguing. What an intriguing thing that I would... I'm intrigued to read this. Sure. So if they're not making money, it better be really interesting. Right. Yeah, and uh, the, the point to the, the saying that so many people just send an idea that this, you know, with a long expository email about how this is the greatest thing ever, it's going to be the biggest movie ever, it's going to win all the Oscars, whatever it happens to be. Look at it from this perspective. Most of the time, I mean, every agent and manager is looking for a great piece of material that can sell. But even more so, they're looking for a great client, a great writer. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a future in this business. They're not, I mean, not that having a huge blockbuster sale of some sort, you know, a Ted Pole movie bidding war kind of thing isn't great, but that is so far-fetched. And so when you start pitching yourself in that way, I mean, your logline should do that. If your logline is selling you in that way, like this logline's amazing, I have to read it, that's that's all you need. You can't be selling it in that way because then they don't take you seriously as a writer. They think you're just this reach for the pot of gold type person who created some sort of idea and you think it's the greatest thing ever instead of being a writer invested in your career, invested in working with somebody like John, a manager, an agent to build a career because you're far more likely to sign with a rep and get a, a writing assignment or get on staff of a show than you are to sell something huge in a bidding war. Right, right. I mean, just take yourself professionally, right. act like a professional. Again, it kind of boils down to that. Right. You know, and it's like, act like a rational professional. <laughs> um, so going back to, we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, specs and TV, what do you like to watch, what movies, what television. Mm -hmm. um, if a writer is only interested in one or the other, in TV or film, mm -hmm. um, is that a drawback? Or should writers be no, prepared to write actually, for both? I, I mean, look, I think I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's like, I would never do either. Like, I could only do TV, I would never do features. Right. Everybody kind of wants to do both. I think it's important to be like, I lean harder this way. I think right. that's important. I mean, I've, I've said this before in other podcasts, I've, I believe, but it's a lot easier to break into features than it is to break into TV, but TV's more steadily. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, think, I, I think at this point, it's rare that I encounter anyone who doesn't, doesn't do both, essentially. Sure. Um, but, uh, but I think you want to be clear about which one you'd want to lean on. And I think you also have to be realistic about your options and your branding of like, okay, you know, TV's very competitive right now, especially on the staff, staff writer level, which is where you'd be breaking in. Why would people want to 
do this and if, is it realistic for me to try to get in the staff of a TV show mm-hmm. if I'm not if I don't live in LA if I don't have any connections if I don't work on a television show you know all that kind of stuff because I think it's very very competitive it's very hard to break people on TV at this point I'll, I'll, I'll be real right. with you you know it, it, it happens and I've been fortunate to have it happen if you know but it is difficult you know well like for example for some of the clients that you've broken into television how did that happen or you know are there some um, examples of that you know, they're all kind of places. I have one client uh, who's in the ABC Writers Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one client um, who, uh, you know, worked on a lot of shows and then happened, one of those people One of those people got a show and they're like, I want to bring you on. Um, I have another client um, who I found through SC and she just wrote a really great pilot that I developed with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we found a great agent who believed in her and that, you know, agent got her a lot of meetings and eventually she landed on the staff of a show, you know. And so three very different stories, oh, yeah, you know. Absolutely. One it's actually kind of perfect actually because one of them was in one of the was in the program was in a program which is pretty well known. I would say there's three ways to break into T V. Uh, get into a program, um, ABC, Warners, um, NBC Writers on the Verge, NBC, et cetera, et cetera, CBS et cetera. Um, uh, so break in through a program, um, Work on a TV show and through those relationships get promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then three, just write something amazing and get noticed. You know, right. and so all those three stories are all those three clients are three different versions of those stories. You right. know, um, so you know, but the same point. You know, um, my client who eventually got his break, he was also applying to programs. He was also running features. He was kind of doing everything. I think you have to do everything to kind of break in, you know. Um, and TV is really hard because you could be on the show and it could be like going great, and then right, you know, you're staffed and everything's going great, or you're insisting you're gonna get bumped up, and then the show gets canceled. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, like my client who eventually uh, got the 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 kind of old ex, you know, former coworker got a show. He had been on another show, and um, we were sure that he was going to get promoted to staff writer. And the show looked like it was it was locked in to come back for another season. And then it looks like that show is canceled. They haven't quite announced that yet, but mm-hmm. it looks that way, you right. know. Um, and it's weirdly inconceivable because the numbers don't really bear that out. But there we are. Um, so a lot of things can happen. You kind of have to give yourself all the opportunities to do things, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and then jumping to the feature side, for those who want to work mm-hmm. in features more, mm-hmm. uh, what are some of the ways you've broken in feature clients? I mean, it's always, almost, generally it's almost always the same, which mm-hmm. is they've sold a, sold a script, you know? Um, there are exceptions. There are people who have written, um, you know, screenplays got a lot of attention. Let my client Kathy Charles wrote Kings of Maine. Mm-hmm. That got on the blacklist. That got her a lot of attention. Got her in the mix for, like, assignment work and stuff like that. Um, but it's a, it's a hard road, you know? Um, Usually it's selling a spec. Usually it's selling a screenplay. Right. Um, you know, that's generally the thing um, that you break someone into, you make them a name from, you know. Um, you know, when we've done podcasts before, I've been a, a big advocate of kind of writing the kind of, you know, wacky biopic. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I have to say that I do feel like the market to some degree has become um, saturated with those biopics. You know, I think the last one that felt like half the list was biopics. And I, <laughs> I think people... I think what's happened is people's um, appetite for them has waned because um, there have been so many of them. And also, I think, so you wrote a biopic of so-and-so, you know? Where does that lead you to? There's a bio, There's no one, very few biopics people being hired to write those. So, like, just because you wrote that and it was a good one, 
how do we get you jobs off of that? Because the drama, people don't do a lot of dramas anymore, right. even if you write a great version of that. So um, I'm still all about compelling stories and writing the most compelling narrative, but I don't necessarily think that like that's a sure shot. You just write a great biopic and there you are. I think um, it has to be a biopic. Like you take my wife, Elise, who wrote Blonde Ambition, um, you know, we set that up at Universal and it really kind of popped her in a big way because you know, she was writing about a young woman, she was writing as a music movie, and so it really kind of helped her, you know, she gets offered a lot of stuff, but a lot of it, it tends to be about young women, which obviously she is a young woman, um, and also tends to be music related because she wrote Madonna, the Blonde Emission mo uh, movie, the Madonna movie, and that was about music. So people feel like, oh, I understand that. So, you know, if you read a biopic and it has like, like Kathy wrote um, Kings of Maine and it had a lot of thriller and horror elements, then she, it, that kind of put her in the mix for horror and thriller things, mm -hmm. not straight drama. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, also straight drama. So I think if you're going to write a biopic, it needs to not just be a standard issue biopic because unfortunately they don't make a ton of those and you're not going to get a lot of assignment work for that. It should have some kind of elements that pop it beyond that, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of, the in, in terms of features, it's either selling a spec and selling tends to be sci-fi, action, horror. Those are very much the, the hot genres right now. Um, you know, which to be fair, Jeff Portnoy sold like a historical true story last year, mm -hmm. um, and um, you know, uh, you know just all kinds of stuff is sold. Um, but you know, and so I would never be like only write horror, thriller, action. I'd be like write whatever you're passionate about, but be aware that if you're writing a western, generally it can be hard to get a western going. But maybe you write a western, and Brad Pitt decides that's the western he wants to sure. star in, and suddenly it is a big mm -hmm. sale. You know, right? Um, so you got to read the thing you're passionate about, but you have to be aware of the marketplace, right? Um, and actually, speaking of the marketplace, uh, and talking about like what's hot and what's not, um, in terms of like biopics, obviously are tougher sell. You know, westerns are always. But, but the biopic, if you one of the reasons that Jeff was sold that period biopic last year, um, Keeper of the Diary, was that they ended up, you know, that was someone who passed away. Mm. So, and it was about someone very, about Anne Frank, and, you know, obviously about right. her diary and the publication of it. So it was kind of like, they had passed away, so you didn't have to deal with life rights, but, but it was a very well-known person, and a well-known story, the story that you didn't quite know, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that was, that was helpful, you know? So I would say, if you can find a great true story, like, look at The Post, you know, that was a great true story. By the way, everyone involved in that was dead. I think if Catherine Graham had still been alive, it would have been a lot trickier because they would have had to get her life, life rights. rights. Right. Um, so writing with people who are alive, I can speak from experience, uh, is very hard to sell the script. If they have passed away, it's a lot easier, but you run into this weird thing where like, if that had passed away and it happened a long time ago, people are like, well, that's period, it's hard to get done, is it really resonant right now? But if it's more recent, they're like, wow, that person's still alive, so I don't know what we can do, what can we do, you know? So that case, you might need to get life rights or option a biography or something like that. Mm -hmm. So true stories are very attractive to people, but they have to be in a scenario where you, they're legally available, right. essentially. Right, they're not having to jump through hoops to figure out, you know, life rights and chains and things like that, chains right. and title. And for television, um, a number of people have approached me and said, I don't have an original pilot, but I have some really good spec episodes of shows. Nobody wants those. Nobody wants those. <laughs> okay. I'll cut you right there. Nobody wants those. <laughs> okay. Also, for legal reasons, a lot of people can't read them. Right. Absolutely. Write an original pilot, the end. Right. right. The end. And if you're writing an original pilot, make it, don't be like, so it's about this guy, and he's like, 
a professor and he solves crime. Like, nobody wants to read that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nobody wants to read into their so-and-so solves crimes. They make a lot of those, but they're going to make them from someone who's a co-EP on NCIS. They're sure. not going to make yours, right. you know? Um, so if you're going to write something, make it really weird and original and fun. Like, really go crazy and write something really fresh and interesting because that, that's what my client did who ended up getting uh, the staff writer job. She wrote something. We'd read this um, article about this industry that was really interesting, um, the grease industry, which is kind of collects all the grease and, and the kind of used cooking oil from, like, KFC and places like that. It becomes, like, this kind of, like, weird world of, like, you can sell it for, like, $10,000 for, like, a barrel of it. So it's this interesting kind of, like, underground um, economy, essentially. Mm-hmm. felt a little bit like Nightcrawler. So the thing she wrote was kind of Nightcrawler meets, like, Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, this kind of weird, edgy world. And people liked it. It felt really interesting and fun. And so, you know, and it was never going to get made, but that was kind of a moot point, you know? Right. It's about getting her name out there. Because people want to read... The, people, nobody wants to read another, like, procedural... But they want to read something interesting and fresh, you know? Right, right. I mean, um, you know, Mad Men was what got Matt Weiner on Sopranos. He just wrote something he was really passionate about, right. and it was such an interesting sample. That's what got him from being a writer on Becker to being a writer in The Sopranos. Right. And it wasn't until years afterwards mm-hmm. that he was he able yeah. to get, when he or, had a reputation. Or The Shield was written as a pilot just to kind of, like, get people's attention. It wasn't written as, because he's like, I'm going to break all the rules that you're not supposed to do. I'm going right. to a cop who kills people. I'm going to have them breaking the rules and doing awful things. Right. And be like, oh, I like this. But he's like, well, I just thought it was, I thought it would never get made. Right. You know? But I was just writing something that would entertain myself as a sample. Right. That that's what attracts attention, because it is so different. Because right, right. The, if you write, be like, if you write trying to, it's weird. Features you should write, trying to figure out being aware of the marketplace. Right. TV, I don't think you should be aware of the marketplace because nobody wants to buy your script. They want to buy scripts from polished, well-known people. Now, people, some, someone's going to be like, well, what about Extant or what about things? Right. And, and there are exceptions. Do you know what I'm to be fair, Extant was like pretty out, out of the box. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Um, it wasn't... I think it's rare that you think you'll almost never find like a procedural that was written by someone who wasn't like a well-known procedural writer. You know, right? Um, you well, know. and you know, things get also sold with attachments. And yeah. Extant, once Spielberg got attached, and Halle, Halle Berry, Berry, then yeah. it's a bidding war, and everyone wants it. But it was an interesting concept. Sure. You know? No, absolutely, absolutely. But right, that's the I thing think that what you, got Spielberg. Yeah, but like it wasn't like if you write into the marketplace, you're like, I'm going to write about, write about a woman who comes back and might be pregnant with an alien, or you know, <laughs> yeah. like it wouldn't be the thing you're like, I don't know, that sounds weird. Right. You know, it wasn't like it's a cop and in space you know, he's a clown <laughs> and she's a cop or whatever. Right. You know. Right. I, I, not to put you on the spot, but are, what are some of the, if you remember them, some mm-hmm. of the worst <laughs> queries or pitches that you've received? Mm. I don't remember the worst queries because they just pass through your mind. And like you get so water. many of them, I'm sure. Um, God, that's a good question. I feel bad, the worst pitches, because the, the pitches tend to be like you go to like the Great American Pitch Fest and you're right. hearing like, a thousand pitches from these people who generally don't, um, you know, generally are not. They're like one. I mean, that was definitely where the, like, the whole, like, have more than one idea. Right. I met someone, they're like, I have the script, and it's about, like, bed bugs, and they take over a whole town. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I work at Appy in a way. We don't really do that. Right. What else do you have? They're like, that's it. That's the one idea I have. And I was like, we just kind of sat in silence for a couple of minutes because, like, wasn't anything else to say. Um... But uh, I don't know, honestly. Like, I feel bad because I'd be like, oh, I went to this 
film school and someone told me a terrible idea. Oh, right. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to narc anybody well, out. Well, and, well, then what I'll say is, because I know you have a conference call coming up, you have an important call. So what I'll say, maybe we can end on this. Um, what are uh, some, adv- what is some advice you could give to writers out there? And I know there are a lot of them because we get these emails, people asking for help. Advice for those who are not, maybe love writing they they love the process they, mm-hmm. they feel that they have what it takes sure. but are not as comfortable in the pitch process in the presentation in the interview in the you meeting you know what here's the what, thing. what sort of advice so I, I recently like went that? to the USC um, first pitch event uh-huh. and they have like they give you like this sheet of paper that has like the person's information right. a cool photo and then like three ideas and so I'm like hey I, they sat down and they're like ready to pitch and I'm like hey you know what just let me look at this piece of paper Hey, this idea sounds cool. Send it to me. And then we just talked about them. I, I think pitching is a vastly overrated idea. I think log lines are everything. If you want to get good at something, get good at writing. Get good at generating ideas. The most important skill you can have is generating commercial ideas. Um, you know, And that means being really ruthless with yourself and being like, is this the best idea? Is this the best version of this idea? If you want to really go to the gym of being a screenwriter, work on your ideas. Don't be like... Be like, well, okay, first draft, cool, you know. Really, before you even go and write, work on that idea until you, and I think they talk about this in like Save the Cat and stuff like that. Really work on your, workshop that one or two sentence until it feels like that's a movie, you know. That's the thing you can do that's best for your career. Don't worry about pitching. Pitching doesn't matter until down the road when you sold a couple of things. Because nobody's interested in your opinion until you're actually, in like hearing your pitch on something, until you're actually somebody. It's all about the writing. So get really, really good at generating not just one idea, but multiple ideas. And those ideas that feel like they're, they should be in the marketplace, you know? They feel that um, the kind of things that people might buy. People may be like, oh, you know what? I want to see that movie. That's an interesting movie. What an interesting idea for a movie. And, and be very real with yourself. And don't just be like, eh, it's good enough. It's about a family and they run a restaurant and crazy stuff happens. Be like, what's the most interesting idea that I can really, what's the most conflict-filled idea? And really work hard on your ideas and be, be honest with yourself and be, and be like, is this the best version of idea? And don't show it to anyone until it's really good and then show it to a bunch of people and then they're like, no, no, I don't think this is good enough. Be like, oh, okay, I listened to that and I'm gonna do a new idea or work on this idea. So your ideas and your long lines are all that matter and then obviously your screenplay. But, like the, but here's the thing, having a good idea is so important because if you don't have a good idea, you can, if you have a poor idea and you have a well-written script, I think I've used this metaphor before, it's kind of like you've built a house in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's better to have a great idea and an okay written script. So it's like having great real estate and an okay house. You'll still buy the real estate. Right. You know? And so that's the thing that's important is really working on your script and working on your idea until it feels like until you have a good foundation. So that's the thing I would say. Don't worry about pitching. Pitching's not that important. What's really important is your logline, by which I really mean what's really important is your idea, and the logline is just an expression of your idea. If you don't have a good, lo- you don't have a good idea, you can't have a great logline. Right. So that's what I tell people to work on is their ideas, and by extension, their loglines. Everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. Hmm. If you can't write, who cares? Right. Who cares? Right. Well, that's good advice, and I think that helps, I think, because there are a lot of writers out there who may be uncomfortable with that whole process. I mean, writers are not meant to be... Barton Fink was not a great in a room. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that idea of writers right. are not necessarily... It's a weird thing about Hollywood, though. They, they want you to be a good writer. They also want you to be, like, really a good salesman. Right. The two things are very separate skills. 
But what really matters is being a really good writer. Mm -hmm. I, I swear to God, if you are a good writer, over time you will get better at being in the room and pitching. Right. Because you'll grow to have confidence. Because people will be telling you, wow, you're really good at writing. And that will give you the confidence to do that. But don't worry about pitching right now. Worry about generating good ideas and generating good scripts. That's right. all that matters. Right. Great advice. Yeah. Thank you very much, John. As Thank always, you. it's a As pleasure. Always. Um, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Scribes. Send us questions if you have any. Um, and uh, also, if this you're watching on YouTube, you can leave them in the comments below. You can see or listen to a bunch of John's podcasts on our website, scriptsandscribes.com. I think he's got a whole bunch on there, which are yeah. all fantastic. We get many, many compliments. And I actually ran into um, someone this weekend mm -hmm. who approached me. I, I, there's a manager that I found that I really want to sign with mm -hmm. that I found on your podcast because he sounds so awesome, and it was John. Oh. So... I'm nice. sure he's going to be hitting you up at some point. I know. Hopefully he doesn't season. email me three times and be like, why didn't you respond to my email? Right, respond now. If he's watching, maybe he'll watch this and be like, John didn't respond, I just got to write another one. Right. And that's the, the best course of advice there. Yeah. Um, but thank you all for watching. Please uh, leave a like and a comment if you, this is on YouTube or just, you know. Subscribe. Subscribe. Hit subscribe. Yeah. Hit subscribe. It's a new job for you. Um, so thank you all for watching and or listening, and we will see you next time. Taking over the universe when I'm using words Every time I do the work, I be leaving them stupid hurt You was right, I'm going crazy when I do the verse But it do not matter, Mad Hatter, I'm feeling like Uzi Vert L Little shoulder shake, kicking like I'm taking names Started taking names ever since